Welcome to another podcast from Faith Baptist Church of Gulfport, Mississippi, recorded Wednesday evening, July 5th, 2023. The song special for this evening's service is by Rebecca McFadden singing God Has Not Changed. Tonight's sermon is preached by Pastor Dan Carr Sr. and is titled Starting a New Religion. He's preaching it out of the text of 1 Kings chapter 12 verses 25 to 33. We hope that tonight's message brings you closer to the will of God. Thank you for listening, and God bless. tonight. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter number 12, the book of 1 Kings chapter 12. I am sure I probably have mentioned this. I probably have preached on it at least once. Uh, if I have, I can't fuss at you because I don't remember it. And uh, 
But in 1 Kings chapter 12, I've heard it mentioned and touched on, and uh, I, I know I've used it a time or two, but I don't know if I've just preached a, a whole message from, from this uh, text tonight. But uh, 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 12, if you found your place there, if you're in 1 Kings chapter 12, you're able, why don't we stand tonight, I will read uh, out loud and you can just follow along as I as I read first first Kings chapter number 12 and look at verse 25 I'll come back and try to just fill in the blanks here that you can understand the, the setting here but look in first Kings chapter 12 and verse 25 then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein, and went out from thence, and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord." even unto uh, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. I can just read that and it irritates me. It does. I mean, maybe, maybe not the right spirit either. Uh, but of all that God has done for them and all that they saw God do, and this guy jumps up and says, he's calves and, you know, uh, you know, they delivered you. I'm like, man, come on. You gotta be kidding me. And uh, and so he says, Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up uh, out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and, and, and the other put he in Dan. That aggravates me. <laughs> of all the tribes, why that one? It's so discouraging sometimes. And this thing uh, became a sin. For the people went to worship uh, before the one even unto Dan. And he made a house of high places and made priests of the lowest of this people, uh, which were not of the sons of Levi. That is a no-no. Oh, yeah. Big, big no-no. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the 15th day of the month, like, maybe a circle, underline the word like, unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed... Uh, and he placed in Bethel the priests uh, of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even into the month which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel. And he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word, how good it is. 
pray now in these next few moments that we'd listen, pay attention. God, that you would speak to us and give us instruction, wisdom, knowledge. Uh, God, from your word. And God, that we'd learn. And God, it'd help us, uh, Lord, uh, that we could make it just uh, practical for our everyday living. And so, Father, we pray you'd help us tonight. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask it all. Amen. Why don't we do this? Uh, look here at chapter 13. I want to read a little more, okay? Look at chapter 13 and look at verse 1. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar uh, in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places uh, that uh, burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign uh, which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God which had cried against the altar in Bethel that he put forth his hand from the altar saying lay hold on him and his hand which he put forth against him dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the signs uh, which the man uh, of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. I just, I just read that the same. Uh, God uh, was not pleased with the altar that they had built. Can I get a witness there? So let me just give you a little, little quick, quick, quick Bible study. So the first uh, king of uh, Israel was who? Saul, okay, first king of Israel. Saul messed up. He rebelled against God. And uh, so uh, the Lord raised up, uh, uh, he told Samuel, a man after his own heart. And so the second king of Israel was who? David. David. Second king was David. And uh, David was a wonderful king. He was a king for 40 years and uh, 33 years there in Jerusalem. But for 40 years, David was a king. And uh, David had a son, had uh, several, a lot of sons, but he had a son by the name of Solomon. Solomon uh, was uh, the successor of, of the throne and he took uh, uh, his father David's place. Now Solomon, stay with me now, Solomon in his older age uh, he had 700 wives, 300 concubines and the Bible says they turned his heart from God. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to believe isn't it? But it's what the Bible says there in 1 Kings chapter 11, that they turned his heart uh, from God. And so God sends word to Solomon, uh, I'm not, not in your life, but I'm going to split the kingdom. 
And then many of you that are in the Bible Institute, you, you know this well. And then you have the northern kingdom, which is Israel, then the southern kingdom, which is Judah. And so God said, I'm going to split the kingdom because of Solomon. Okay, we understand that. Well, the next king, the next king is real born, that's Solomon's son. Okay, that is David's grandson. And so you have a, a man that was uh, alive in the, in the time of Solomon that fled and went to Egypt. His name was Jeroboam. You with me so far? Oh, that's not nice to be plugging out. I'm just, just laying a foundation. And uh, so then you have, you have Jeroboam. He flees. He goes to Egypt, okay? And he's there for a while. So he hears, he hears that the Solomon has died. He comes back. And so they have like a business meeting. And, and, uh, and so they, they ask. They kind of put Jeroboam at the front of the business and say, uh, are you going to be harder on us? Are you going to be softer on us? And uh, so you know the story that Jeroboam counseled with the old man and he counseled with the young man. He forsook the counsel of the old man. Big mistake. Big mistake. Okay. And uh, so the kingdom was split. Okay. That brings us to chapter 12. And Jeroboam in his heart, he's thinking, you know, the altar where people come to worship God and in the temple, all of that is in Jerusalem. And, you know, if, if people, uh, you know, that I'm, that I'm being the king over, these ten tribes, you know, if they start going to Jerusalem and, and to the temple and, and, and making sacrifices, uh, you know, they may turn back uh, to, you know, this true and living God. He says in verse 27, if these people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of these people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and, and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So he's thinking. He's thinking in his heart. He's kind of maybe talking out loud and says, you know, I got to do something about this. They're going to be going to Jerusalem where the temple is and they're going to be making sacrifices their, their heart may turn back to the Lord and, uh, and, and forsake me and kill me. Yeah. So he says, I got an idea. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get me two calves, make me two golden calves. And uh, uh, the Bible says there, I'm going to put one at Bethel and the other he put in Dan in, in these two places. And, uh, and then I'm going to say, these are your gods. These are your gods. And, uh, these are the gods uh, uh, that delivered you from Egypt. Okay? And, and that's what he did. Yeah. And you know what's amazing about the whole story? Yeah. They fell for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. It blows your mind when you read certain things uh, like this. So I, I titled the sermon, Starting a New Religion. Starting a New Religion. And this is exactly, this is exactly what uh, Jeroboam did. He started a new religion. That's what he did. Somebody had said at one time, there's a new religion born every day uh, in America. And I don't know where they got that from. And it doesn't sound right to me. But I do know this. There's a lot of religions out there. Okay. And let me just be clear tonight. I ain't starting no new religion. Can I get some help there? So you can go ahead and relax. Okay. I, I'm going to be preaching against that, not starting one. But this is what happened. Jeroboam started this new religion. Here's these calves. And you're going to fall down and, 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 uh, and worship them, okay? So I'm going somewhere with it. I'm going to give you three points, okay? But I'm going somewhere with this message. Number one, some thoughts about this new religion. Number one, he made it similar 
to the one that already existed. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 31. And he made an house of high places, and he made priests of the laws of the people, which were not of, the, uh, of, of Levi. You see that? And then you have here in verse 32, And Jeroboam ordained a feast uh, in the eighth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, uh, like unto the feast that is in Judah. Do you see that? Like. Like unto the feast. Okay. There, there were feasts in Judah. So he makes another feast that is for these golden calves. And then it says, And he offered, notice the word, he offered uh, upon the altar, uh, so did he in Bethel sacrificing. Do you see that? Uh, let me just list this and make it simple for you. Uh, he made a religion that was similar to what was already. He had priests. He had sacrifices. He had an altar. He had feasts. And he burnt incense. Now, if you was going to make a counterfeit money, watch this. If you was going to make counterfeit money in, in America, I'm talking about in, a, in America, you wouldn't make it orange. Amen. You wouldn't make it blue or yellow, right? If you if you try that at a store, uh, the, the 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 bank or the, the lady at the store, the man at the store, if you put down a, a, a five yellow uh, uh, five dollar bill with George Washington on it. <laughs> That is not good. You would make it similar, right? right? You know, normally counterfeit money, you, you, you probably have had it, but it was so close to the real thing, you didn't even notice it. Right. The devil, you know, he's been at this a long time. If you're going you know, gonna, to gonna make a religion, you, you want to make it similar, are you with me tonight, to what is the real thing. You want to make it similar to what is uh, the real thing. Let, let me make my point and I'll move on. We assume if it's, you know, if it's a church and if they, you know, they have a Bible, if they have some singing, they have some baptisms, they have a building, they have a pastor, they have some pe preaching, maybe they have the Lord's Supper. Uh, people today just assume then it must be, a, you know, a, a, the real deal. That doesn't mean it's the real deal. You know, just because they got a building and a location, just because they have a Bible, and just because they have a baptistry that baptized people in it, that doesn't mean it's the real deal. Amen. When Jeroboam made this new religion, he made it very, very similar to the real deal. Do you see that? Amen. You with me so far? So number one, he made it similar. Notice number two, he made it convenient. Yep. He made it convenient. Look at verse 28. Watch this. He says, Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, watch this, watch this phrase, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Yep. He said, you know, you ain't got to go to Jerusalem you know, travel all of that way, you know, to have church, you can do it right here. And so he made what I preached about last Wednesday night. Listen to this. I didn't make this statement last week and I wanted it to. And uh, convenient sales. 
convenient selves. Boy, y'all not, not catching that. They'll call them convenient stores. Okay, they are, they are betting that you're going to stop in there on Highway 53 and Doc Lozana Road. I'm, this is not against Doc Lozana Quick Stop. Okay, I, I go in there sometimes. Why do I go there? Because I don't want to drive. I, I may pay a little more money, but it's, it's better than driving, you know, maybe 20 minutes to Walmart. So I will be willing to pay a little money for the convenience. We today are big on convenience. We are big. Hey, uh, Jeroboam said, it is too much for you uh, to go up to Jerusalem. You still with me? There are things that we let go to the side because it's inconvenient. Some people don't come to church on a Wednesday night. Why? That is inconvenient. Some people do not come to Sunday school. Why? That would be inconvenient to get up a little earlier. Right? Uh, a lot of churches have cut out Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And they said, what are we going to do? We're going to have one big push. We're not going to have Sunday school. We're not going to have Sunday night or Wednesday night. But we're going to have one big crowd on Sunday morning. And uh, uh, because that would be convenient. And then you can have little group things, you know, out through the week and get together. And, uh, boy, people, they bought right into the convenience. And all over America, our Wednesday nights are drilling, you know, drilling down to nothing. Our Sunday night crowds are going down to nothing. Why? Because people like convenience. You know, the Bible says so much the more as you see the day approaching. We shouldn't be cutting out service. Says, that ain't the right direction. We're to be adding services. Can I get some help there? So went in on Thursday night. That is inconvenient. Coming early for Sunday afternoon for prayer. Inconvenient. Having family altar. Inconvenient. Having standards. Inconvenient. There, there's just a lot of things uh, that we, we push to the side because why? It is just inconvenient. It is just inconvenient. And so this new religion, number one, it was similar, but it it offered convenience. And what's going on in America today? We're just, we're buying into convenience. And that's what it's all about. And it's selling well. And a lot of people are leaving the old-fashioned way and the old-fashioned churches. Why? Because to go to the convenience. Y'all not helping me very much, okay? That's okay. Notice the third thing that he did in this new religion. Number one, he made it simpler. Number two, he made it very convenient. And that's exactly what's happening. Everybody today is into the what is convenient. They don't want to be inconvenient, okay? Uh, look, look here, if you would, quickly at verse 31 tonight. Notice what else he did. And he made in a house of high places. Watch this phrase. And he made priests of the what? Lowest of the people which were not of the sons of Levi. To be a priest, you're supposed to be a Levi. So not in this new religion. No, no, no. It doesn't matter if you're a Levi or not. And he was just grabbing anybody and he was taking it and putting them in position. You know, used to be to be a member of a Baptist church, number one, you had to be saved. Number two, you had to be scripturally baptized. That means emerge underwater, not sprinkled. Can somebody help me over there? And uh, so we're into convenience, make it similar. 
And, and then he says, hey, he took disqualified people and he elevated them in the ministry. Did you hear that? Yeah. He, he took people that were not qualified to be a priest. They would have been a, they would not even a Levi. And they're like, well, what does that matter? See, we're in a day where nothing hardly matters anymore. Come on, I got to hand it to some of the Southern Baptists. They're fighting right now. And uh, among the Southern Baptists, they, they're splitting and fighting. Why? Because they said, you know, got one group says, uh, you know, you shouldn't be ordaining women as, as pastors. Amen. And another group saying, why does that matter? God can call a woman to be a pastor as much as he can a man. Wrong. Amen. See, this is where we are today. Everything's a fight. And, uh, and I'm going somewhere with the message, but hey, it ought to be... The Bible says a man's got to be the husband of one wife. And so, we, we, you know, now you can be a homosexual and be a pastor. They elevated people that was not qualified and put them in that position. You know, we do have standards and we want standards for our Sunday school teachers. I mean, a Sunday school teacher is not willing to be faithful to church themselves shouldn't be a Sunday school teacher. I mean, it's just really that's it's not complicated. I mean, you know, you, you want people that is that is uh, that is going to be in leadership, especially you know, for them to be on board. But we get so desperate in our day for you know to, for growth and, and for numbers. If we're not careful, we're sacrifice everything. He took this new religion. He took people that was not qualified, and he put them as a priest. And that's where we are today. That's that's the news media come after you. you. Mean you don't think a woman can be a pastor? No. How about a preacher? My wife preaches all the time. She's a good preacher. But she's disqualified to be a pastor. I said she's disqualified to be a pastor. But none of that matters no more. All of that is gone. And, and if you get in the pulpit and you try to stand for the old ways and for the old past, man, you get this feel in, in, in a service like this. Because some of us are buying into the new religion. You ain't went over there yet, but you're buying into it. And, and someone to pressure the preacher to, to go that way. Pastor Carr's been this way for 40 years, and, and you're probably not pushing me that direction to save your life. Amen. Amen. I, I'm just, I'd rather sell the buildings and, and go back to the storefront building. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Are you with me? To, to, go that, to, to, go th to go this direction. Let me read you an article. Bible class protests church speaker's choice. The men's class of the Atlanta Woods United Methodist Church had protested the invitation of a California minister to be a guest speaker at the United Methodist Church Conference in Atlanta. The resolution pointed out that the Reverend Babla had removed the altar, pulpit, and cross from the San Francisco church. The men of the class stated that they believed these objects were, were to be sacred symbols of the church. The men also stated in their resolution that the minister was... Uh, uh, using uh, what they consider to be irreverent methods of uh, whipping up the emotions of the congregation, such as exotic dancers and sex films. Do you know there are some churches today that actually are serving beer? You can get, but the only two is the limit. <laughs> You're laughing, it's true. Amen. 
See, there's no stopping to this. Wait a minute. I ain't gave you the kicker yet. No, no. When do you think this was? Date? Want the date? March the 30th, 1972. Old article. 1972. This thing that's going on in America didn't start yesterday. This battle has been going on for years and years and years and, and, and to push this new religion, this new religion, and I'm not going to be ugly because I'm going somewhere with this tonight. We did churches all over America just gobbling this stuff up. Gobbling this stuff up. May the Lord help us tonight. Amen. So here's the message. Can I, Brother Dexter would be so proud of me. I got to call him tonight tell him I got a conclusion. Go to the book of Jude. Can we turn there tonight? Let's go to the book of Jude. Let me make some quick points tonight that I think will help us. I know this is Wednesday night. I, I should have preached this Sunday morning. And, uh, but look at, look at the book of Jude. Look at the book of Jude, okay? The book of Jude. And, and look with me at verse number 3. Uh, Beloved, when, when I gave all diligence to write unto you uh, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly, what? Contend for the faith. The word contend means to strive against. Hey, we need to be contending for the faith. Amen. We need to be contending for the faith. That, I, that's why I love our... Uh, our Bible Institute. Why? Because it, it's teaching people, you know, to get into the, the Word of God and to get some good roots in, in, in God's Word. Hey, this is why you ought to read your Bible. This is why you ought to study the Bible. This is why you ought to learn the Bible. I don't want you to just take my opinion on things. When I preach God's Word, I want you to see it in the Bible. Uh, I, I, I've been saying it lately. I told Brother Scott uh, in my office that, you know, I'm trying to get out of, you know, turn here, turn here, turn here, turn. That's just the way I preach for so long. But, uh, but I try to give a lot of Bible in my preaching. And, and I know sometimes it's not as entertaining as the stories and the jokes, and I love that, and I do some of that. But, but, but my friend, you and I need to be hungry for God's Word. Amen. This is why I want you to read the Bible, study the Bible, uh, uh, get into the, learn the Bible. And then when this stuff comes up and pops up, this new religion here, new religion there, new religion there, that you don't fall for it. Amen. Not because of Pastor Carr, but because of the Bible. Yeah. I had a church not far from here. And I'm not trying to be, you know, critical tonight. Uh, but I had a man come visit our church. He said, I came to your church and I wanted to check you out. And I said, well, why did you come? He said, well, at my church, you know, they, they, had, they were first speaking in tongues. And then he said it went from that. They were laughing and they would fall out laughing for an hour in the services. And he said, you know, I was a little bit, you know, concerned about that. He said, but then they started orking like pigs and <laughs> making barking sounds and... Now, they ain't doing that now, but that particular church that is probably running several thousand and they got chapels all over the place are growing leaps and bounds. Are you with me tonight? And uh, I, don't say, I don't see anywhere in the Bible about making sounds like a pig and saying I'm filled with the Holy Spirit because I, I bark like a dog. Now we laugh at that stuff. But see, the problem with that, you got so many people today that don't get in the Bible, they fall for all that. They don't know. They don't know Genesis from Revelation. I do not want this church like that. 
We need to earnestly contend for the faith. Yeah. Number two, do you have your doctrinal beliefs nailed down? Go. go to Ephesians chapter number four. Do you, do you know who Jesus is? Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Not a trick question, but I, I, want, I want you to think about the question. Do you know who Jesus is? Yeah. Okay. How many of you think you know who Jesus is? Raise your hand. So I ain't raising my hand. He's loving no way. Come on now. You don't know who Jesus is? Okay. But Jerry, you want to be my guinea pig? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You asked for it. Who is Jesus? God. Exactly. God. Amen. Most people say the Son of God. Yes, he was. But Jesus, he knew where I was going already. Jesus was God in the flesh. Mormons don't believe that. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that. Oh, they have a building. They have a Bible. Or a Bible, they call it. And, you know, they have baptism. They have all of that. And people say today, well, what's the difference? There's a big difference. Oh, yeah. Jesus just wasn't a prophet. He wasn't some great man. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. Look with me, if you would, at the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 4. Jeremiah had some Jehovah's Witness come. Jeremiah, my son. And, and, and then they came back two or three times. I said, Jeremiah, they came back twice. They think you're an easy target. I was messing with him. He said, no, Dad, I, I uh, you know, they came back. I wanted to witness to him, try to get in the eye. I said, well, you know, he said, they brought somebody back with him that's been a Jehovah's Witness for 50 years. I said, they're really after you. I said, but I just want you to know, if you turn over to become a Jehovah's Witness, I'm going to come in at night, shoot you, and kill you. You ain't, you're not going that direction. There was, no, there was no problem there, okay. But a lot of people, the average Jehovah's Witness in 30 minutes will confuse the Baptist, average Baptist that's been in church for 15 to 20 years. I'm just telling you. They'll start throwing stuff at you and you'll say, oh, you know, they just get you all messed up. Look at Ephesians chapter number 4. We are to not be ashamed. We have the truth. And not because we're Baptists, but look at Ephesians chapter number 4 and look at verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and cared about with every wind of doctrine. Amen. Do you have your doctrinal beliefs nailed down? Do you know the Bible? Come on. You know where the Bible is. I, I, I have, I'm a King James only. Not, not, not that I just study out of the King James. Not that I just read out of the King James. No, King James only. Now, I have a lot of different versions of the Bible in my office. Not to study from, not to read from. Only when I make statements like this when people try to challenge it. And so I say, all right, let's go a couple of hours and start showing them the verses where they've taken total verses out. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Why, I didn't know they took that verse out. I didn't know that verse was out. Who gave them authority to change it? There you go. Man should not live by bread alone, but by what? Every, every word. Well, how can I read or, or live by every word if I don't have an every word Bible? That is so simple to me. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word. I got an every word Bible. Do you understand how, what it takes to go to heaven? 
The average person don't understand it. They, 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 they think you got to be baptized, you got to join the church, you got to live a good life. And uh, salvation is in Christ, in Him alone. Amen. A second, uh, I, I'll read this. I don't want you to turn. Second Timothy, I, I read it the other night. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Right, right. The big churches are this all oh, leave doctrine alone. Doctrine, you can't grow your church if you teach doctrine. You know, just preach every, you know, preach only you know, comfort, comfort, love, and, you know, love, and, you know, marriage, all, those things. But leave doctrine totally alone. And that's why people don't know the Bible. Yeah. And nobody, nobody wants to see the church grow and be healthy and thrive more than I do. But not at the sacrifice of sound doctrine. Amen. No, sir. Do you know your Bible doctrine? Okay? Number three, don't be afraid to ask questions. Amen. Go to Matthew. I want you to see this. Go to Matthew chapter 13. You know, if you're new here, if you're a new member of the church... You know, and people are talking, and they're talking about this or that in the church, and the gossip thing is going on about what Pastor Carr believes or where he stands. You don't have to guess. Okay. You never have to guess here. All you have to do is ask. There's no dumb questions, by the way. It's no dumb credit. Just ask. Well, what does the church believe about this? Where's what what your doctrine here? Where's your doctrine? What? Just ask. That's what you have to do. Man, if I was going to a church, I'd want to know before I went there for a year what they believed. Because you can't preach everything you believe in every sermon. Okay? But look at Matthew chapter number 13 and look at verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Jesus gave a parable and when the, when the crowd dispersed, they said, What did you mean by that? Would you explain that in a little more clear detail? Yeah. Hello? Anytime I preach, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm shaking hands and stuff like that on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But, I mean, you can lag back a little bit in any question at any time. There's nothing done here secretly. There's no secret room where we go do secret handshakes. None of that's going on here. Everything's in the open. As a matter of fact, the building looks like a church building. Oh, you're laughing. You went right over your head. I like a church to look like a church. Don't be afraid to ask questions. John 6, I preached from here just two weeks ago. Go to John 6. I'm done. This helping you making any sense to you? You got all these religions out there, all these new religions. They making it similar and they make it convenient and you know they just anything goes. Just anything goes. We're in a mess. But look in John chapter six, and let me make this clear. You got to say it every sermon out. I do not think that we're the only ones going to heaven. People that are going to go to heaven are people that have been born again. Saved. Washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter who you are. If you're not saved, you're not going to heaven. Okay? But look in John chapter 6, verse 6 or 7. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? 
Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Look at verse 69. And we believe in our what? Sure. sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Question, how do you feel about the church you're in? There you go. How do you feel about the church you're in? Are you, are you like, hmm... This, is this real? Is this the real deal? You know, is this, am I missing something? You know, Peter knew Christ was it. Hey, yeah. See, when I, I go, I'm not thinking, well, you know, I'm going to go to heaven, maybe. You know, do I got this right? Maybe this other church over here has really got it and I'm missing it. I'm not worried about all that. It doesn't mean that I think we got, you know, the, you know we got the uh, copyright on the truth, okay? I don't believe that. Right. But I am very content of being an independent fundamental Baptist. But my trust is not in that to go to heaven. My trust is in Jesus Christ. But after you get saved, you want the truth. I'm not wanting to become a Methodist. I don't want to become a Pentecostal. I don't want to become a Assembly of God. I don't want to become a, a Mormon or Jehovah's Witness. I am very. Con I don't want to become a Southern Baptist. I am very content where we are. Everybody okay? I'm not sitting here wondering and thinking and maybe and all. I'm not. And I hope you're not. And if you are, especially if it's a doctrinal issue, I would want to clear all that up for I could get in my church and feel I could get my family in there. I get my wife in there. See, my mother comes to this church. My sisters come to this church. My wife and children come to this church. You follow me? So if I'm leading them, I want to be leading them right. And I think I am. Matter of fact, I'd be willing to put my eternal destination on what this Bible says right here. Because I'm pointing people to Jesus Christ. But after we get saved, hey, well, I don't know. You say, why would you preach something like that? Because I've seen people who have become a Buddhist. How do you do that? I got a young man that's prayed right here many times, a young preacher. And I, I, I'll be careful with this, but I, let me say it this way. There, there's a good chance he's going to a Jehovah's Witness place. And, and that just blowed me away. I'm thinking, how could that happen? He undoubtedly, this is, he never saw the truth for himself. He got, he got caught up in the excitement of my personality, how I preach, or whatever that is. But he's not getting the Bible, or he didn't. Jerry Alford got it. When I said, who is Jesus? He went right to the root of it all. He is God. You see that? He, why did he say it? Because Pastor Carr, no, he's got it himself. You cannot get your biblical convictions and, and lean on Brother Carr your whole life. Now I'm going to preach it and try to teach it to you, but you need to see it. This is what the Bible says. And I'm in at my church and I'm comfortable where I'm at. And I'm enjoying the ride. I don't think I'm in some cult. We're not offering no Kool-Aid here. I what we might. <laughs> have pizza and fellowship after service, you know, at night sometimes, and we may have some coffee and something. Yeah. But you know what, uh, what was his name, the guy that, what was his name? Jones. Jim Jones. Jim Jones. 
900-something people at Guyana. Was it Guyana? 900-something people. He said, put your Bibles to the side. You don't need your Bible. Listen to me. When you walk in this church and I say, you don't need your Bible, listen to me. Find you another church. Quickly. No, here we're going to say, open your Bible. I was in a conference, very known preacher. And I, uh, I was preaching, he's preaching, and some other guys were preaching. And he got up and he, he, he started talking. And sometimes preachers do that, you know, before they preach. And, and then he kind of went into the message. And then he was over. And it, it, it took me a minute to, to, to connect the dots. But when we got done, I was thinking about it. I thought, man, everything he said was good. And then it dawned on me. He never gave a text. He never read a verse. He never quoted a verse. All good what he said, there was no Bible. Amen, everything he said. Zero Bible. That's dangerous. And call that preaching. We're called... Said to Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. You need to get in this book. You need to know why you believe what you believe. Amen. I think that's fair enough tonight. Got this new religion, boys. Boy, sure looks like the right thing to me. They got priests. They got some altar. They got some feasts. They got some sacrifice. But they got calves. Golden calves. Look like them Jews should have looked at that and said, No way, Jose. Spanish. I don't know no Hebrew words. Number two. Said, oh, it's too far for you to go down there to Jerusalem. Ah, you just can just stay right here. Made it very convenient. Everybody's buying into that today. And then what was the third point? He elevated people who were not qualified to be priests who was not even from the tribe of Levi. But they gobbled it all up. And that's what we're seeing today. And you and I need to become familiar with God's Word that we don't get sucked into all of this in these last days. You know, Matthew 2, in the last days, many shall come, saying, I am Christ. Many. They're all out there, buddy. May the Lord help us tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's a little different tonight, a little different. Thank you for listening to tonight's service. We hope you join us the next time. We hold services every Sunday morning at 11 a.m., every Sunday evening at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We also hold Sunday school at 9.45 a.m. May the peace of God be with you until next time. God bless. Amen and amen.